And so it begins. Any good journey has a starting point. Hopefully, any good journey also has an ending point. But sometimes we can get so caught up on the destination that we lose sight of the journey. Or sometimes the end, we think, justifies the means. How we got there is just as important as whether or not we get to the right place. So this week I thought of some major issues that uh, I think about at times. Domestic abuse. Reality is uh, one out of three marriages have domestic violence right in it. I'd like to say we, as God's people, if we are Christians, we are good, which probably means one out of six, and I'm probably being a little optimistic. Child abuse. One out of five children will experience abuse by the time they become a teenager. See any educator, they see it in their classroom. Not all of that is reportable, obviously. Not all of it is where it leaves a mark. There's the physical abuse that many, many, millions of kids will experience physical abuse to the point where it is not safe for them to be in their home. But many more go through an abuse that is not reported. There's the abuse of mental abuse, emotional abuse, and even spiritual abuse. It happens. More of the time. The collapse of society, the out for one another. Terrorism. War. People fighting others for the sake of fighting others. A concept of truth that says anything matters as long as it's okay for me. Practical over a matter of ethical principles, the moral foundations. What year is that? Sounds like today, doesn't it?
already long ago, this year before our time. The beauty of this, the, the hope that is tucked within these words that you see on the screen and the words you see in front of you for those of you who are at home or elsewhere. The, the beauty of that is we don't have to reinvent the wheel. It's already been done for us. In fact, there's another passage of Scripture where it says, look at the ancient paths. And there you will find the way of life. And so here we are, going to start in an ancient path, an ancient journey of the book of Judges. A book that I think we will see, even just this morning, it is going to challenge us in 2021. Will challenge us in a way that we may not want to be challenged. Will will be a book that says, "Wake up, church." But it is also a book that is more than just good characters to be like. Judges was not written just so we would have character sketches to go, "Hey, go be Samson." In fact, I'm glad my, my boys aren't up here. I don't want them to be Samson. Okay? If you read the story of Samson, I don't want them to be a modern-day Samson. Now, we can learn from Samson, but that man was not. Uh, if we're looking for leaders to lead us, Samson is not my pick. In fact, I don't want him necessarily to be a Gideon, as we will find. If there's anybody in the book of Judges I want my kids to be, it's going to be Othniel. Okay? My personal preference is Elu because he's left-handed, so I have a bias there. But I want I want them to be that maybe Shamgar as well. But if you just even flip, and I just said those, you go, well, that's not much said about them. Yes, that's part of the point. That's part of the issue. And as we open up the book of Judges. I want to give us this word of warning that the judges, I think, reminds us, and that is this change is hard. None of us really like change. Some of us are more comfortable with it than others. If it was easy, everyone would be doing it. It's not. You have places in your life that you can change. I have places I need to change. We as a church have places that we need to change. As we come out of this post-pandemic time period, it's going to the, the pool of all of life is, let me just go back to what I know. And I believe, as we will see in the book of Judges, God says, I'm opening up a new land. Now what will you do with this new land, this new opportunity? And so we as a church, and I know I've said this time and time again, but I will continue to say it. Let us not be in a rush to go back to the way things were. Let us sit at the crossroads of the ancient path of scriptures and say, what is the best way forward? Not because what we have done didn't work, isn't good, but because we believe that now is a time for God to say, this is what I want you to do. Remember, there's nothing new under the sun. That is a comfortable word. You will find your place somewhere within Scripture, 
So where will you find your place? Will you find your place by the power of the Spirit who is speaking to you this morning? Are you listening to the Spirit? He's speaking to you this morning. He says, I'm going to place you. You're going to find yourself somewhere this morning. Where are you? And I think we see as we open up these two, three chapters in Judges, which are introductions. We have two introductions to uh, what life was like in 1200 B.C. in the nation of Israel. And we find this life is full of small choices. And it is the small choices that will trip you up in life. See, the big choices, we're pretty good at getting insight and counsel and wisdom. And we, if you're a person of faith, you pray about those big choices. And I'm not saying we need to have a decision fatigue or anxiety and become paralyzed. Oh my goodness, does, does Jesus want me to go to Applebee's today or Old Charlie's today? You know, or Judy, wherever you're going to go or the other place you're not sure you want to go. You know, uh, you know that does 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 Jesus? We can get so paralyzed in that that we never make a choice whatsoever. That's not the way of Jesus. That's not the way of faith. But we need to understand that life is built on the small choices. So you young ones, remember it's the small choices that will matter. That will set your character up to succeed or not because small choices add. Here in the book of Judges, we, we read what is going on uh, right as Joshua is dying. And, and the big choice they went to, they, the, they, they asked here in Judges 1-1, who of us is going to go first to fight against the Canaanites? And this wasn't a question of does just one go. It's who takes the lead? And, and the big choice, we're going to conquer this land. So they go to God and say, here's the big choice. Say, Judah gets to do it. Now, Judah wasn't ever going to go it alone. That wasn't the job. If you read it in Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, and Joshua, they were to do it together. A big choice. But then the small choice that added up, read with me, uh, Judges 1, 3. Then the men of Judah then said to the Simeonites, their fellow Israelites, Come up with us into the territory allotted to us to fight against the Canaanites. We, in turn, will go with you into yours. Seems innocent, huh? Pretty practical, right? If I'm going to war, I'm going to take as many people with me. Small choice. What's the issue? It's not what the Lord said. The Lord didn't say, Judah, take the rest of go make a treaty with city and your, your tribesmen. In fact, if you read, most of us don't, but if you read the numbers and you start to read the numbers, Judah is probably the largest tribe in the nation of Israel. Simeon, not so much. Simeon really has no addition to Judah. But the small choice that Judah, the leader, the nation of Israel is starting to make is going to add up. They wanted something practical. But God wanted obedience. They wanted practical. We want to make sure we get this. God says it isn't about whether you get this. The book of Judges is so important for us today. We, we see even later on that the small choice of uh, uh, throughout that they, they weren't able to drive out 
nation, so they kind of just let them exist. What is the principle of judges? God wants his people to obey his word. We are not the nation of Israel. Our country is not the promised nation of God. We are a great country. Don't hear me any differently. But, but we can't take what God says here and just try to quickly apply it to us as a nation. It's not the same thing. We've done this over the years with judges, and I think to our own detriment. But we get into, get into this book and we say, well, how awful was it that, that God wanted all these tribes to be uh, wiped out? Weren't they good people? I think we need to understand this. God wasn't against the Canaanites because of their pottery, because of their literature, because of how they dressed, or who they were as individuals. God was against them because they worshipped another God. It was a spiritual battle that took the form of a physical fight. And sometimes I think we need to remind ourselves of the book of Ephesians, which if you do the devotions this week, you will, you will get that. Those of you online, I will try to get those up. I apologize, I've not done that in the past couple weeks. But where we reminded, our battle is a spiritual battle, first and foremost. So let's stop fighting physical fights. Now, we might need to do that at times and take stand. I'm not against that. But remember the spiritual battle. Let us not use the Old Testament to say, God wants us to wipe out our enemies. No, it wasn't about wiping out the enemies then. It never was about that. It was about God's people being obedient to his word, and thus all nations would be blessed by them. In fact, tucked in to the very beginning pages of Judges, let me just pull this out because I find it, I think, a great reminder. Verse 16, Judges 1, 16. Then the descendants of Moses' father-in-law, the Kenites, went up from the city of Palms to the people of Judah to live among the inhabitants. You say, well, wait a minute. Maybe they're just being disobedient. No, I think what we're seeing is when, when the nations around Israel saw who the, the God of Israel was, they said, we want to align ourselves there. By faith, they joined the team of Israel, and God's the first place for them. It wasn't just wiping them out for no reason. But in so doing, as we find in Joshua and others, when people of faith that aren't supposed to get it, when the outsiders go, that's the Jesus I want, that's God I want, God says, you get to come in. Time and time again. And God wants obedience. And the big decision, yes, but in the small ones as well. And that is where it is hard to live out this Christian faith. Otherwise, everyone would be doing it. How do we love our enemies? How do we pray for those who persecute them? How do we say to them, this is who I am? I can disagree with you, but I will still love you. In a world where leaders fight one another. Small choices add up. But yet, there's another motivation. Maybe that's what the Spirit is saying to you this morning. But here's another one. Seek the spiritual blessings. Here we find a story of one of many women in the book of Judges. And if anybody thinks that women weren't important in the Old Testament, uh, they need to study scripture a little more. In my opinion, 
verses 12 and uh, you know, beyond. Caleb said, I will give my daughter Aska in marriage to the man who attacks and captures Kareth-Lesifer. I don't know if I'm saying that right. You get the point. Othniel, son of Kinnaz, Caleb's younger wife, took it. He's like, yeah, I can do it. Which is great, because Caleb obviously passed down his tenacity to obey God's word. You know, where one of his own family members said, I got that. All right? Talk about that. He's also the first judge. All right? So Caleb gave his daughter Aksa to him in marriage. And one day she came to Othniel. She urged him to ask her father for a field. When she got off her donkey, Caleb asked her, what can I do for you? She replied, do me a special favor. Since you have given me land in the Negev, give me also springs of water. What a wise decision. If we're talking about practicality, she understands the dynamics of living in a non-fertile area. You don't just want land. you got to have water. That would be great. However, let us not miss the whole point of land throughout this, the uh, uh, Old Testament. The land isn't just land like you and I think of land. The land was tied to the covenant. The land was tied to the promise of Abraham, and I will give you land. She has eyes to see that very few people in the book of Judges will ever see the spiritual reality of life. She's not asking for more of a physical reality. She's saying, give me the spiritual blessing, God. Give me your spiritual blessing. If, if, but this isn't a health and welfare. If I just get the blessing of the Lord, everything is going to be okay. No. But there are times when what we do is we live out life as if the world's blessing is all that matters. Instead of going, Lord, I want your blessing. I want what you want. I want you to be faithful to your word. She is living out the promise of Genesis 12. To her forefather, Abraham, I will make you a name great, so all peoples of the world will be blessed. Are you seeking the spiritual blessings of God, not to puff yourself up, but so that others will know who the Lord is? Are you just hoping again and not to make yourself good enough? It's important for both. As we move on, we see the little choices that are going on as we start with Judah, we end uh, with the uh, tribe of Dan. And once again, over and over and over, we see the small choice that they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And we can either get upset about that or we can realize that sometimes God works in a process. It's not always overnight. And we start to come down where we start to see, because of their choices, maybe their lack of faith, that where the nation was to succeed, they now barely exist. And we read these words in Judges 2. The angel of the Lord went up from Gilgal to Bochum and said, I brought you up out of Egypt, and I led you into the land I swore to you to give to your ancestors. I said, I will never break my covenant with you, and you shall not make a covenant with the people of this land, for you shall break down their altars. Yet you have disobeyed me. Why have you done this? The issue here isn't necessarily that they had immediate conquest. The issue here is they've yet 
to take away the foundation of the Canaanite society and religion. Why? Have you ever thought of it? Why? Well, change is hard, right? And in that kind of world, they came out of Egypt. They had been protected in the wilderness, now they're in the promised land. And, and the thing, well, it would be simple, it would be easy. Now we read that uh, what happens, Judges 2.10, a whole generation had gathered to their ancestors, another generation who grew up neither knowing the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And we'll get to that in a minute, but we have a changing of the guard. But when you're wandering in the wilderness, you need one type of God, the one who can get you through the wilderness. And that's who uh, the God of Israel was at that time. You go into a land and you start to hear things like, hey, we also have a God. The names for God in Judges are the generic forms of idols, nothing terribly specific. But it is, okay, so now I have to be a farmer. Okay? I'm no Leland. Okay? I'm no Arts. I'm no Andy Stickley. If I was all of a sudden said, okay, you get this field and I'll go farm it, what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to go to Leland and Art and say, okay, tell me, how the world do you make this work? Practicality, right? And so maybe they say, well, here's what you do. If, when it comes to planting, you set up this little kind of uh, table and you put this and this on it, and every time I've done it, it has always worked. Oh! Okay, I can do that. And what they bought into was the religious system of the world. Practical reasons. However, maybe in the religion of our days, practicality, and we need to be knocked out of it to obey God's word and know that that is what we're supposed to do. That's the issue here. Not that everyone got drove out. I think God was going to eventually do that, but they didn't continue to separate themselves. Maybe it won't be that bad. So he goes on to say, I will not drive them out before you. They will become traps for you, and their gods will become snares to you. And the angel of the Lord has spoken these things to all the Israelites, the people who left. Hence why it's called hope. How do you respond to God's correction? How do you respond to God's correction? If you've never been corrected by God, then maybe open your ears to hear what the Spirit would say. If a church has never been corrected by God, then maybe we need to hear the word of the Spirit. Why we needed a reformation over 500 years ago, we need another transformation today. Respond to God's correction. Can you say there's been a place in your life, your place called Bochum, where they offered sacrifices and they wept without because they realized They've not been obedient. They've not been obedient. And if the nation of Israel, if the tribes of Israel, as we walk through Judges, would remember to have broken moments time after time again, they would realize the blessing and the peace that comes from repentance will happen. Or as Peter says in the book of Acts, repent for a time of refreshing to come. Have you repented so that the refreshing of the Holy Spirit can be poured out, or do you just want to do things 
the way they've been done because that's what you know. And that's the way our world is. We move forward this morning. We read here in Judges 2.10. After that, a whole generation had been gathered, and another generation grew up and knew neither the Lord nor what he had done. And we see that it was each generation we have to be careful that we don't just lose sight of that. What happened? I don't know. How could a whole generation not know of that? I don't think it was so much about information. Because see, spiritual information doesn't equal spiritual formation. See, I think they were passing on the stories. I think the information was there. But you can't, in the realms of spiritual life, say, Cooper, if you will just memorize this scripture, this scripture, and this scripture, all will be well in your life. Because, Cooper, you're a smart kid, right? You could probably, given enough time, probably memorize, you know, John 3.16, right? Doesn't mean it means anything, right? You just know it. Like you probably know Alvin a little bit. Alright? Jordan, you're a smart kid, aren't you? You are. Say yes. Okay. Alright? Uh, you could probably get information quick enough, right? If you needed to. You know, you may not like it, like Spanish. Exactly. But you know some Spanish, right? Hola. Buenos dias. Si? No? Sure. I don't know what that is in Spanish either. Alright? She may give me all the information. Doesn't mean it's done anything to gain knowledge. And I wonder if. I wonder if at some point in time, what we have done is, in the name of Christian education, and we, we, ought, to have done, we ought to do Christian education, but we probably should change it from Christian education to spiritual formation. Okay? Because if we're just trying to educate and pass on knowledge, we will have a bunch of people who have knowledge but have never been formed uh, in the likeness of Jesus. And we will live through the book of Judges again and again and again. Exactly, Owen, you got it. I don't care how much knowledge an Owen or a Riker or an Apollo or Lila or an Aliana gets. If that doesn't form them into who Christ is, if that doesn't form them into being the people that God is calling them to be, then it doesn't matter. And I wonder if that's where we see the book of Judges. They knew the information. They got it. It was passed down by generations as this is what God has done, but it was just information and not formation. So I wonder if some of you sitting here in order for the sake of, of doing spiritual formation, need to pay for one of our kids here to go to camp. Not because they're going to get so much information at camp, because they're going to get that, but they're going to be formed at camp, unlike anything they can do in a classroom setting. Maybe 
need to, need to look at ways to just send people into spiritual formation areas instead of always making them learn information in order to get to the formation. I realize I just upended years of practice. If we understand that information doesn't equal spiritual formation, I'm interested in the spiritual formation, whether or not they have the information. And this is what has happened over the years. Think of what Jesus did. He brought the little children of them, the spiritual formation, though they knew nothing of the information of the kingdom. It was the prostitutes, the sinners that didn't know what was going on. But here we have one that had demons cast out the experience of God where she pours a perfume. And they're like, does she even know what she does? And Jesus is like, it's not about what she knows. It's about the fact she's being formed into my likeness. We need to allow the formation to be above the information. I think of new believers. Every church I've been in, when someone comes to know Jesus and I fire, what typically happens, I'm guilty of it myself. We mold them into the way this is the way you ought to be with you. Every church I've been in. Do we do it intentionally? No. You gotta, you gotta remember this. At some point in time, we need to realize that when someone has been formed into the image of God, when the Holy Spirit has been poured out to them like in Acts 2 with the nation, of the, with the disciples at the time, that they didn't have to go through an information class in order to know what to do next. God had already told them what to do next. You will receive power and I'll do it. And that's the same for you and for me. So I end with this. Who will rise up? We get left. With the end of the book of Judges, or the book of uh, chapter 3 of Judges 3 6, the Israelites lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Parasites, the Termites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. They took their daughters in marriage and gave their own daughters to their sons, and they served their gods. And we are to sit there and go, Who will rise up now? Who will rise up to be the deliverer? that we, God's people, need. See, because the, the book of Judges wasn't a deliverer for those outside of God's family. It was for God's family. The Judges were for the people of God to say, you missed what God has called you to do, to love Him solely and to love your neighbors. And so I ask this, who will rise up among our church to say, I will challenge us. I will rise up to be a deliverer, not because of how bad the world is outside, but because we, God's people, have yet to fulfill the will of God. Who will rise up? And may I ask a second question? Will we allow someone to rose risen up for such a time as this? Will we allow the spirit of Acts 2 to be used, to use somebody that maybe we think ought not, maybe they don't know all the information to rise up? Will we allow Peter, an Owen, a Bonnie? I mean, we would all take Joyce anyway, but a Joyce, a Judy.
Chad, the Pastor Kim, Pastor Paul, the Mother Paul, the Patty, maybe even Calvin. He was pretty good at performing things. Just over his team. Or maybe one of you online. Maybe the Stacy that's watching us. Maybe the Mike, the Marilyn, the Sally, the Beth, the Linda, Kathy, the other Kathy. Ooh. I see that's the challenge of us. We're going to learn that none of them were perfect, even ego. I mean, his weakness became a strength, but your weakness can become a strength. When you rise to the challenge. Because Jesus says, this is my plan. I give you the Holy Spirit and you will receive power. You have the power of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to wait on another helping. You got it. And go in obedience to the Lord. Father God, we thank you for this time. Lord, we thank you that you are calling others to rise up, to deliver your people, the church, to fully obey your word. Lord, may we have ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to your people this day. As you have said throughout the years, you say it still. Come and follow me. And because of Christ, we have the confidence that when we are in him, we have a solid, firm foundation to tackle the major issues of life. And we can be your people. And that if we would, let us stand at the ancient paths found in Scripture and find the path of life that will always lead to Jesus and that will always uh, continue on with full obedience, faithfulness to his word, even when it may not be practical. But because you say it, we will do it. Or we will try at least. And we will find grace upon grace upon grace as you continue to form us into the image of our Lord, your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ the Lord. We thank you for that. And we pray this in his name. Amen. If you